Hello, this is Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind with me, psychologist Professor Richard Wiseman. And me, science journalist Marnie Chesterton. This is the podcast where we delve into the psychology of everyday life and answer your questions about human behaviour. Expect fascinating facts, scintillating science, and this might even improve your life. In this episode, we're going to be looking at luck including whether luck is more under our control than we realise, how people can increase their luck, why you should never play the lottery, Marnie. Look, if I don't learn how to win the lottery in this episode, I'm going to be very disappointed, Richard. Yeah, on with the show. Richard, Mm. does luck exist? Depends what you mean by luck. Are you a lucky person? In the grand scheme of things, if there was a scale from unlucky to lucky, where would you place yourself on the scale from one unlucky to ten lucky? I mean, instinctively, I'd go towards lucky. Mm -hmm. But at this point, I've realised I don't actually know what luck technically means. Right. So, and you do because you've you've done this for years. So 20 years I've been studying luck. 20 years. Why? It's a good question. Um, I think... I just needed something to do. <laughs> uh, no, actually what happened was I was talking to people uh, about their lives because it was, it was luck. It was luck. And so a friend of mine in the office next door was doing a project on how people end up in certain relationships and careers. And he said, can you be one of the interviewers? And I'm a terrible interviewer. I'm like the worst person in the entire department for doing interviewing um, because I just talk about myself, which... <laughs> Apparently. Which is really good for podcasts. It, well, so well, I hope well so. I hope so. But it's not good when you're trying to do a psychological interview with someone who's come in to tell you their life story. Right. And, you know, they're one sentence in, and I go, yeah, it's fine. What I think is yeah. this. Yeah. And, and so I like it anyway. So they, they're right, they're scraping the bottom of the barrel. They got me as the interviewer. I'm talking to these people and they kept describing themselves as lucky or unlucky or saying that was lucky or so on. So I walked out thinking that's quite an interesting topic. So I went back to the group and I said, why don't we do something on luck? And they said, that's quite a good idea. And that's what we did for the next 20 years. So it was chance that the whole thing started. So you've mentioned luck there and chance. Is there a difference? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Um, yes. So we, we, we can test your luck. Hold on a second. Let me get a coin. So uh, heads or tails? Heads. Tails. Oh. Now, that was chance. Right. Could have gone either way. Uh, and it doesn't tell us anything about you at all because, you know, it's just the, the way it goes. You go to a casino and your numbers either come up or they don't. And it doesn't matter how optimistic you are. It doesn't matter uh, how kind of flexible thinker you are, anything like that. It's just you're, you're going to lose, basically, if you go to a casino. I spend time in Vegas. I think these are huge buildings. How are they making this kind of money? <laughs> and then, mm, hold on a second. Uh, and um, so, uh, so that's chance. Luck stuff is kind of different. So luck is whether you're lucky in life, whether you get those kind of fortunate breaks, whether you bump into people and have a conversation that suddenly leads to a big life change and so on. And that stuff is far more under our control than uh, we realise. So most of the 20 years was spent looking at people who say, I'm really lucky. I bump into people and and, and get these amazing breaks or these uh, great sort of chance opportunities. And another group that are really unlucky where everything was a catalogue of disaster. And according to them, not their fault. Okay, so you mentioned a bunch of different factors that seem to control whether you're lucky or not. We've had a question about this, so I'm going to just read this out. Uh, Ellie wants to know, is your idea of how lucky you are related to your socioeconomic status? Are you more likely to be lucky if you're rich? 
Oh, my goodness. It's an excellent question because it gets to the the root of what psychology is about. So it's absolutely true. There are these massive sort of social factors uh, which determine how successful and happy you are in, in, in life. What psychologists tend to do, they, they can look at those, and, and to some extent the answer is yes. But what they can also do is to look within any one cohort. So you can take people that are earning particular income and say, within this group, who are the lucky, who are the unlucky people? Or you can go to a particular part of the world and, and do it there. And that's more the sort of research that I was interested in, that within any one particular socioeconomic group, what sorts of people tend to thrive, what sorts of people tend not to do so well and not to be so lucky. Okay, because if you're looking at people who earn below the minimum wage, mm -hmm. if you're looking at people who've won the lottery, I mean, I've I've heard stories of people who've won the lottery and seem to have a terrible life. And so it, it feels like on one degree they're lucky, but they're not necessarily... Yeah, there's lucky. a couple of things going on there. So, so certainly if you know, we, we can be unlucky with our, our genetics, where the, the place in the world we're born, uh, the parents, all these things that really are outside of our control, there's no doubt those things exert quite a big influence over our lives. What I'm interested in is how people play the hand they've been dealt. And some people end up being lucky, some people end up being unlucky with that. And, and those are the sorts of factors that fascinate me. So it comes down to personality? It comes down to all sorts of things. And we can talk about some of those uh, later on. But the lottery, winning the lottery, is a very, very particular way of becoming wealthy. And most of the research on that is that actually it's it's not a great thing to do because one of the problems is it takes you away from the very people that make life worth living, which is your friends and family, because suddenly you're way wealthier than they are. And that can cause all sorts of issues. But so if you take the lottery, winning the lottery out of the mix and just look at you know, wealth, then, yeah, I mean, you know, the more wealth you've got up to a point, the happier you are. It does tail off, actually, is that you need uh, enough money to be able to live comfortably. But when you start to get more and more wealth, your happiness and luck doesn't go up. So it does tail off. But absolutely, there's an influence there. So we did all sorts of experiments with our lucky and unlucky people and got some insight into how they're seeing the world. And the probably most famous one is the newspaper experiment, which what? is all about opportunities. Okay. So you come into the lab, we give you a big newspaper, and we tell you to flick through it and count the number of pictures in there. It's a pretty boring thing to do, you know, one, two, three, four, and so on. What we haven't told people is there are two opportunities, half-page ads. And one of them says, stop counting, there are 52 photographs in here. And the other one says, um, mention this ad to the experimenter and win £100. And so our lucky people come in and they're relaxed and they're cheerful and they're very open and they flick through and they spot these ads. And the unlucky people are very anxious and worried. They've got a very sort of tight focus of attention, completely miss the ads. Oh. And so it's a really interesting experiment. It shows how our mindset, how our approach to the world literally influences what you see and, and whether you, you spot an opportunity or not. Wow. So lucky people got the money. Did you actually hand over the money? No, explain they weren't quite that lucky. Oh. And it was just an experiment. But some big, big differences emerged. Probably the biggest one 
was that you wanted to be around the lucky people. They were kind of fun to be with and they enjoyed win-win situations. The unlucky people came in, normally they were in an absolutely foul mood. Yeah. And, of course, our emotions are contagious. Yeah. And, and so you go in to interview an unlucky person feeling fine and within 10 minutes you were like, oh, I know I've got a bit of a bad back myself, actually, and, and so on. So they kind of dragged you down. So you didn't really want to be around them and they became a little bit kind of socially isolated. We mean, they didn't have the opportunities that friendship and the social support that friendship gives and that was one of the really big factors there. So it does come down to personality? In that instance absolutely did. The other thing was that the lucky people always focused on the positive side of, of whatever happened to them and so we had these experiments where we gave them ambiguous events and the, the most famous one we came up with was that you go into a, a bank uh, in bursts of robber, they've got a gun, they fire a shot, it hits you in the arm, are you lucky or unlucky? Oh, Ooh, okay. That, so, and that's exactly what it's designed to do. Yeah. It's designed to, oh, hold on a second. Well, they didn't kill me. Exactly, yes. And so the lucky people would go, of course I'm lucky. Could have been my heart, could have been my head. The unlucky people would go, what are you talking about? It's another unlucky day. I've just been shot in the arm. And so you saw the way in which they perceived a situation uh, was, was very different and that mattered because of resilience. That so when bad things happen, the lucky people tend to bounce back. And the lucky people were also very, very flexible. They didn't like routines. They didn't like doing the things the same way every time. So always looking at different ways of, of doing stuff. So all these factors came out over about a 10-year period. So if you want to increase your luck, is there anything you can do about that? Nothing. Nothing. No. It's set. That's Seriously? it. You are just, you're just cemented in for like, no, absolutely not. Um, so most of my work looks at what people can do to change. And in that sense... My work is actually a little bit different to a lot of psychology. So a lot of psychology is your genes create your brain, your brain creates you, and you're kind of set. And psychologists like that, at least some psychologists do, because once people are set, it's easy to put them into different groups, easy to categorise them. And then you can go about doing your, your work, as it were. Well, I think the only interesting thing about people is that they learn and change. and, and Brains are plastic. Brains are plastic. We learn through experience and so on. And so I wanted to try and come up with exercises and devices to help people change. And this was a long time ago. It was sort of towards the, the beginning of what's called the positive psychology movement. Psychology tends to focus on what's wrong with people, the so-called kind of bad to good model. And... Then in sort of well, early 90s, this positive psychology movement came along, which was good to great. That how could you take people that weren't necessarily in a particularly difficult place and, and improve their lives? So you started to look at optimism, resilience, flourishing, using personal strengths, all those sorts of things. And we came up with all these exercises and ideas. And who knew? It's the, the really simple ones that had the biggest impact. And so there's all this idea that change is really complicated and challenging and so on. Actually, if you know what you're doing, it's relatively straightforward. So what's a really simple one? Well, the easiest one was what we called the, the luck diary, which is that each night before you go to bed, you need to write this down. And you do need to write it. It's not enough to think it. It's not a thought experiment. You write down the most positive thing that's happened to you in the last 24 hours. Or you write down a negative thing that's no longer happening to you. Or you write down a sense of gratitude that you have for friends or family or health or whatever it is. And what you start to build up is evidence that actually things are not quite as bad as you think. 
a oh, body and, of and, evidence. And that changes your mindset. It changes within about and two the, weeks. And really, and then you're kind of more of a glass half full, then uh, people like you. All the sorts of things people I'm talking give you about. free stuff. Absolutely. I don't have free stuff, but, but, but people become more optimistic about the future. They start to change their sense of self-identity because now they've got this big body of evidence they can't deny. Uh, and so that very, very simple intervention, psychologists would call it technique, um, actually had a huge impact on people. And it's the one I always recommend. Uh, that that's the simplest thing that people can do because you start to build up this actual body of evidence. Okay, we've had a question from Eve. This one's about sports people increasing their luck. Um, my brother plays professional basketball for the Bristol Flyers and he says that he and his teammates have so many rituals that they have to do for luck before a match. His thing is always having to put on his left shoe first. So how much do these lucky rituals that sports people have actually influence their performance? It's a very good question, isn't it? So the rituals are very common in sport and in uh, acting as, uh, as well. Places where people have to perform in a very particular window of time and they're not quite certain what factors really kind of promote that performance. And if I was answering that question 10 years ago, I would have said it was all superstitious nonsense. There's nothing to it. But since then, there's been all sorts of research coming out that actually what these things do is promote a sense of optimism and actually lower anxiety. And both of those things increase performance. So it may not be as strange as it sounds. There might be something to it. There's been some work where you get students to take in their, their good ch luck charm into exams, and those people actually outperform uh, people where you take away their charm, uh, which is, must be quite the experiment to perform, that people come in these important exams and you actually remove their good luck charm from their it's desk. It's kind of cruel. But it's kind yeah, of cruel, um, but, but enjoyable. Yeah, that, <laughs> I can imagine. Which, which is the most important thing when you're running an experiment. Oh, teddy bear. Right, give it. Give it. Yeah. Come on, come on. It's science. Hand it over. Uh, so... And, and, and the same with uh, sports people. Uh, there's been uh, stuff with golf where you give people like a, a lucky putter and then they do they perform better with that than, than others. Now, those are quite contentious experiments because they were quite tricky to, to replicate. But there is certainly a body of knowledge there suggesting there's something to it as long as you don't spend your entire life carrying out these rituals. So superstition is a, is a fascinating topic. And if I, I think we should come back and talk about it and give it its own episode a little bit later on. So should we take another question because this is Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind and we've got a thousand questions we've to get to. We've got a thousand to. questions to get through. I think so far we've got through two in, in this episode. Details. <laughs> I'm feeling lucky that we will... <laughs> feeling optimistic. I'm feeling confident. Yes. Um, so we have a question from Eddie who wants to know... Well, I'll let him ask. Hello. So my question is, can hypochondria cause actual illnesses to happen? So, like, if you think you've got something wrong with you, can thoughts actually cause that to happen? That's a good question. Uh, I don't know the answer in that particular instance, but the, the, the general point, which is how do our thoughts create reality, absolutely. And, of course, what's really interesting is we don't have awareness of that. We don't realise um, how, whether optimistic or pessimistic or, or whatever, uh, then shapes our lives. And so... And some of our work, what, what do the optimists do? Well, they, they try in the first instance, but far more importantly, they keep going when the going gets tough. 
because they're convinced that something good uh, is going to happen. Believing that you're unlucky is one of the most dangerous beliefs you can hold because you think, well, right across the board, things are always going to go against me. What's the point in, in trying to live a healthy life or you know, trying to make friends or whatever? It's going to be a disaster. But absolutely, our expectations about who we are, about what the future holds for us, about what our lives are going to be like, they absolutely shape what actually happens in the world. And what's fascinating is we don't realise that. This is something that I know a bit about. I mean, more the biology of it from other science journalism forays. This is a subject that really interests me because there's... Have you heard of something called interoception? No. So it's about where the system that controls your body, which is unconscious, you don't have to think about it. So it's your metabolism, uh, your your breathing, how fast you breathe, that kind of thing. Um, how that meets the bits that your body brain does bother telling you about um, and that is that's connected by all of the inputs into your body so stuff that you see stuff that you hear stuff that you feel so your emotions play a part of it so if you're being very negative and that's making you stressed then that can actually have an effect on your heart rate your metabolism your inflammation levels and that can actually make your immune system dampen down and that can make you more likely to become ill. So if you're being pessimistic, you may be more likely to become ill. So you can literally think yourself ill. Yes, it is a negative feedback loop, unfortunately. I'm fascinated by expectation. About two years ago, I was in a restaurant with my brother mm. and he ordered the mushroom risotto. And the waiter came back, my favourite thing. He, he said, my brother's out of the mushroom risotto. The waiter said, I'll be interested to see what you make of that because we've had a lot of complaints. <gasps> oh, okay. And it was terrible. Ah. But I always wonder whether the, the, the fact it was tasting so bad was because we'd had this, this thought put into our minds by a rather pessimistic but possibly honest waiter. Oh, I was handing over my science homework. Um, last week. Last week. 40 years too late. Uh, no, I was handing over... No, it wasn't. It was history. I handed in a history essay and I said, I'm sorry, this is really bad. And my history teacher said, no, 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 no. You always hand something in and you say, this is amazing. This is the most amazing thing you will ever read. Wow. And that way, when it's not, they're busy going, oh, maybe it's me and I just don't get it, rather than, oh, oh. yeah, she definitely did this in the bus on the way here. Right, okay. Did it work? Uh, I'd kind of blown my cover by that point. But I did use it subsequently. Right. Um, but I couldn't do it with a straight face. Yes, yeah. And I think there's a role for honesty in all of this. I'm just saying, I'm so sorry. I don't know what I was thinking. I've wasted my time. In <laughs> yes. Welcome to my dissertation. <laughs> interesting. The, the, the research on pessimism has changed over the years. So it used to be that being pessimistic about the future was just a, across the board a terrible thing because you stopped trying and, and so on. More recently, there's been a bit more of a fine-grained approach. And there's one type of pessimism called defensive pessimism, which is that where you think about all the terrible things that are going to happen in order to be ready for them. So, so what you're doing is preparing yourself and thinking, if that does happen, what do I do under those circumstances? And that can be pretty good. So, you know, I, I go out and give public talks a lot and I'm very defensively pessimistic about them. I think, what if the laptop fails? What if the screen goes? What if the, you know, all those things in order to be ready for so it? So you're doing a mental risk assessment? Absolutely. Of, and, and 
oh, maybe I should take a second laptop or maybe I should see if... Or know. all of that. So if it leads to action, and it's the same in, in everyday life, if it leads to action, which means if those things, along so reasonably likely, uh, do happen, you're prepared for them, that type of pessimism isn't quite so bad. But in general, optimism tends to be better. We're all optimistic and we're all un- unrealistically optimistic. So you ask people, you know, are you a safe driver Are you over in terms of the average? Everyone is, oh, yeah, in terms of the average, I'm a safe driver. My favourite one is, do you have a better than average sense of humour? It's like 99% of people go, oh, yeah, there's very few people that go, I just don't get jokes. So so we, we, we're all kind of, and it gets you out of bed in the morning. Yeah, this this yeah. belief that the day is going to be good and you're a good person. Uh, but it is a kind of delusion. Oh, no. So, yeah, if most people realised how terrible their sense of humour is. Mm. I mean, obviously mine's amazing. Oh, and, yours and, is. Yeah, yes. yeah yours, yes. is, yours is too. Mm, thank you. Um, so well, everyone else is. Everyone else is just nonsense rubbish. So it's called unrealistic optimism, and and yeah, it does. It, it keeps us going. And and the lucky people were unrealistic optimists. And all of this is happening. I know you're talking about interventions that make this happen at a conscious level, sort of pushing people. But this is all unconscious. Yeah. What was interesting was that when the group came in, and we we studied them first. About a thousand people. It's a big old study. When they came in. Uh, they had no insight into why they were lucky or unlucky. Uh, this was like a magical thing that just happened to them. And over that 10 years, none of them changed. It was only when you started to do these interventions, these techniques, that you saw the unlucky people uh, become luckier. And so I, I find that that, that that people had just said, you know, it's just the way life is. You know, it must be like a supernatural thing or something. Uh, and, and actually we could see after a while exactly what was going on. So we, we spoke about the luck diary. Um, another one is being a flexible person of not getting stuck in a rut. So the uh, lucky people like to do things in different ways, try different food, uh, all this sort of thing, where the unlucky people really got one way of doing it and that was that. They were terrified of doing anything else. Uh, and, and so a colleague of mine, Ben Fletcher, has done work on what's called the Do Something Different programme, which is where you get people to make small changes uh, in, in their lives, you know, going to different sorts of restaurants, watching different sorts of television and so on. And actually, again, that has a big impact on their self-identity. They become somebody who's flexible, who, who changes. So it's, it's kind of interesting work. Has the modern world made it harder for us to be in touch with our gut feeling, which might contribute to an experience of luck? I'm a bit, I'm a bit down on gut feelings. I, I'm not a big fan of them. I mean, our lucky people did describe themselves as more intuitive, but only in situations where they had knowledge. I mean, otherwise you can end up some very odd thing, walking into a room, think, oh, I don't know, look at that person. Intuitively, they're a bad person. And you think, well, that's that's just you um, being yeah, biased. but if you're, you know, if you're in a park and it's twilight and there's someone and you're like, oh, I don't like the look of you. Yes, but you're and in a park and it's twilight. run away. Yes, no, that's true. You probably shouldn't go up and chat to them at that, that point. Um, are, you, are you an intuitive person? I don't know. You have no idea. <laughs> what, I mean, maybe? Yes. Yes. Let's go yes. I, I think you, should, you Well, only in situations where I've got the knowledge to, to back it up. So in, in situations where I'm doing a psychology experiment, I might have an intuition about this is a good or bad thing and, and, and I'd use that as an alarm bell to stop and, 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 and maybe look at what I'm doing. But that's because I've done them for 20 years, so I think I've got the knowledge base there to draw on. Otherwise, no, I'm a terrible judge of character. I go to parties, I've got no idea whether anyone's interesting or not. Although, really? 
No, no. Have you tried asking them questions and then listening to the answers? No, of course not. <laughs> you can't take those kind of risks. No. You, you, to me, a party, you go in, you talk you about yourself for two hours and you get out of there. <laughs> I am Richard Wiseman. Thank you for listening Thank to my TED listening. Talk. Yes, that's right. Yes. And enjoy the rest of the party. <laughs> so what have we learnt apart from don't invite you to parties? We have learnt that I shouldn't be playing the lottery. Uh, well, the, the, the chances of winning the lottery are quite slim, whether you're lucky or unlucky. We've learnt that people's beliefs about whether they're lucky or unlucky shape their lives. We've learnt that people are not fixed. Uh, they have an enormous potential to change if you do the right sorts of things. We've spoken about the luck diary and, and being a little bit more flexible in your life, these very simple interventions. Mm. And I think that the big thing is the past isn't a guide to the future. That if you think you've been unlucky in the past, there's no reason to think that's going to tell you what's going to happen in your future. To have hope, to have optimism, to know that the, the best thing your brain does is learn and change. I think that's what we've learned. From Podimo and Telltale, this has been Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind. Hosted by Professor Richard Wiseman and Marnie Chesterton. Our producer is Kate White. The executive producers for Podimo are Jake Chudno and Matt White. And for Telltale are Rami Sabar and Jago Lee. And if you like this podcast, tell your friends. Leave us a review. If you don't like it, tell your friends you did. Why should you be the only ones to suffer? Although it does help others find us and don't forget to subscribe. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at WisemanPod. Where we'll be regularly asking you for questions for future episodes. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>